Um, okay, cool. Welcome to Bloom. Um, this morning, we have the pleasure of doing uh, what we try to do at least probably like every other month, uh, if not quarterly, we try to have a panel discussion where we bring members from the uh, community up and basically roast them for, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, what we're going to do, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to ask them questions about um, their faith, their upbringing, their participation in the community, what they are enjoying about Bloom, what they want to see from all, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you have a question that you want us to ask them, you can uh, text my number. You, you can text Aaron, and then we will we will ask the question. Um, I, I don't really have anything more to say until we start. <laughs> okay, so if you if you have a question you want to ask the group or even a specific person, I guess you can um, text that into Aaron, and we will we will obviously filter out things that are in a, like rude or inappropriate. I don't know. I don't need to, but okay. <laughs> oh yeah, let me. Yeah, I'll I'll pray, and then we'll go. Uh, Jesus, thank you for bringing us together today, and I ask that you would. Uh, help illuminate the uh, the presence that you have in these three individuals' life. Um, I pray that you would help us to see how our stories uh, can be similar and different, uh, and that we would always continue to see uh, your presence in our lives. In your name, Amen. Okay, I'll let Aaron ask the first question. Um, so we'll just start with basics. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about um, family and what you do and where you work, anything that you find particularly interesting, hobbies. So I'm a Scorpio. Uh, no, so I'm Shira. Um, I live in Egan with my husband, Brian. Um, I've been here at Bloom pretty much since the first day we opened the doors, which was in Keenan, 2009. Um, so it's been amazing through the years to get to watch the journey that this community has made and all the, the ebbs and flows and the changes that we've gone through, which has been really fun. Um, what else? Uh, I work for a very large corporation, uh, specifically working on uh, communications and marketing for stethoscopes. Uh, so really interested in healthcare and, and passionate about that field. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Those are my basics. <laughs> Purple. Uh, Northwestern Wildcats. Go Cats. <laughs> cats won yesterday. <laughs> Super proud. Take that. Awesome. Well, I'm Hogan. Uh, let's see. Where do I start? Um, so I work as a software developer right now, um, but I didn't start that way. Uh, I've been coming to Bloom. It's complicated, but for like three and a half four years, something like that, although I took about a year off in between, and we can talk about that later. Um, yeah, I first came here as an intern. I worked here for a minute, and then I took about a year off, um, and then eventually came back after a whole journey of things, um, and now have been coming pretty consistently um, for the last year or so. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to throw in this initial favorite color? Favorite color? Oh, okay. No, uh, what's, um, no, we need to hear everyone's favorite color. Well, maybe if, okay, I'm, oh, I'm color, also a Scorpio. Film, I don't know, something. <laughs> <whatever. laughs> your favorite color. I feel like we favorite color? Okay, uh, probably orange for no reason at all. <laughs> I'm Dave, and um, I think I first came to Bloom about a year after you opened. It was just kind of by accident that my wife um, heard about the community and we went over to the old uh, location in Central High School. And um, I'm finding in my life a lot of things just kind of creep up so I didn't think that I was really going for any reason other than the fact that I think she wanted us to go as a family. Um, my mom had passed away the year before and then we had had this little boy who's not here today. And um, I guess I got kind of a, I got more interested in it um, kind of by accident, I guess. Um, I teach high school English to kids who are at risk, very, very at risk, and uh, I don't, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, kids, 
people will ask, what do you teach? And I'd, I'd like to think that we teach excellence, or we try to. We try to teach kids to care. Um, so English is just kind of the, the secondary thing with it. Green. <laughs> and you guys, uh, you don't have to follow the same, like, whoever is comfortable answering the question, feel free to answer it. You can also pass the question if you don't want to answer it. Um, but we'd be interested to know uh, just a little bit about your faith journey. Like, what um, did you grow, like, how did you grow up? Um, where did you grow up? What uh, sort of things in your childhood influenced your faith and how that kind of plays into today. So like a summary of your of your current faith journey. Okay, um, I guess the journey is um, pretty much just kind of going with my life and I had kind of a messed up childhood with my parents splitting up and then the family split up again and um, my mom was sort of more responsible for me going to a Catholic Catholic Church and stuff like that, and it was always kind of this thing of like, oh, you know, you've got to believe, and after a certain point, sinking so much faith and going through the rituals and just kind of going through the motions, um, it just it just got to be that law of diminishing returns, I guess. The harder I tried, the less I was getting out of it, and um, then I, when I was in college, just in my early 20s, I was starting to really get interested in art, and so that sort of became the thing that I was drawn to, um, and I think the older I get, the more I find with accidents that's that that's where I find my faith. So just um, these little happenstance things that aren't planned out. Um, just this last spring, my wife was saying, you know, we're going to go to uh, feed my starving children. And I, I really did not want to do anything like that. I found out how great it was. Or just a couple weeks ago, Keenan uh, asked me, you know, would you like to, to be on the panel? I'm like, well, I'm not a very religious person. He's, that's okay. All right. <laughs> so these unplanned things are kind of where I get my my uh, desire and curiosity about life and just living what it means. All right, let's see. So, um, yeah, so I, I grew up in like a really conservative evangelical church. I think a lot of people here did. Um, but uh, I also grew up uh, in a single-parent household with my mom my entire life, and she took care of my brother and I. Um, and I think the, the biggest reason why we got connected uh, the way we did into a church um, was because it, it made parenting a lot easier for her. She always says that, like, the community and the people and the other kids that I, you know, my brother and I could be friends with were really the most important piece of it to her. And she was never really worried or concerned if, like, I accepted the religion or not like that was always sort of secondary it was more so like we just wanted this community um or she wanted this community around us and i and i really appreciated that um but then i ended up buying into it a lot um probably a lot more than she did and um went to school eventually um to be a pastor um and i was in school for a couple years and came here as an intern. Uh, I dropped out around the same time because I was, I was going through a, a phase of um, deciding, I, I guess thinking um, more critically about that. Like I'd never really fully bought into a lot of the things of that tradition, but I had always kind of just let it be. And I think I got to a point where um, like there were some things that I knew were important to me. Like I knew I didn't want to work or attend a church that wasn't um, like open and affirming. Um, and so eventually it's it, it just like a lot of these little issues that became big issues for me stacked up and I just couldn't justify putting more money or time into that tradition and it brought me here and I was very happy here. Um, and then it, it got kind of complicated. Uh, I had a partner at the time who was not very supportive um, and that made it very difficult for me to sort of separate out the whole um, personal belief part from the career part, from the personal relationship part, and, and things just got very messy there. And so after a lot of arguing and fighting and um, threatening to leave type stuff, I was convinced to leave Bloom. 
and it was very, very painful for me when I did. Um, and then things got a lot harder after that for me. And I think that because of how incorporated all those things had been for me, I, I spent the majority of the next year after that um, not even, like, I think of it as, like, the whole hierarchy of needs thing, like, the whole idea of religion was, like, way up here, and I was nowhere close to that, so it's not that I didn't believe or whatever, it was, like, I didn't have the ability to even think about, like, what role God or religion or Christianity played in my life, um, and, and through that year, uh, of being away from here, uh, that relationship really crumbled. I found out that my partner had uh, been cheating on me with quite a few people, and that was very painful, and um, I stayed with them, and that was a very shameful time for me, um, and I just felt very, very alone, and I kind of hit this this low point. Um, man, that was just a few years ago. I, I hit this really low point where I was depressed, I was isolated, I was lonely, um, she had separated me from a lot of my friends to help keep the lie going so I wouldn't find out about everything that was going on. And, um, and it was right in the middle of that that we broke up and I had to overnight move back to my mom's basement and find a way to, <laughs> to get out of my lease. And now I was taking care of my dog and I had a real crappy job that I hated and I was like, what, what the hell am I gonna do? <laughs> um, and that was when I came back to Bloom. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, um, you know, it's been a while now, and I still don't know what I can say about, like, what I believe. I, I don't really consider myself a Christian, but I'm not necessarily opposed to the title. I just, I, I think I got really content with, um, well, I, I sat down and I had to critically think about, like, why do I want to come back to Bloom? And it wasn't because I wanted to go back to church. Um, it was like I knew there were people here, and I knew there was community here, and I knew that I would be supported if I walked in. And um, I had to have a couple conversations with Luke before I came. I, pr I probably didn't have to, but I felt like I had to, um, just because it was a, a complicated situation. But he, he was really embracing and accepting of, I mean, he was, like, shocked to hear well, everything that had happened after I had left and we had fallen out of touch and was like, oh, you got to come back, like, next week. Like, just, just walk in. Nobody will care. <laughs> and, that, and it was true. It was so great. It's like I walked in and everybody was like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How's it going? I'm like, yeah, hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, but it, it was great. Um, it, it really was. And so, yeah, I, I don't really know. Like, I, I feel like I still have this sort of, I don't know if I'd say passion, but interest in theology and studying the Bible and, and stories around that. But I also have this, like, real tension where, like, I get really frustrated listening to that for a long time. Um, and some of it has to do with ways that my personal beliefs had changed, and some of it has to do with personal experiences that had nothing to do with that, that have just kind of tainted that that interest of mine. And... So I, I kind of, I still wrestle with that. Um, yeah. It's been good to have you back. <laughs> um, personal faith journey. So I grew up here in the Twin Cities um, in one of the southern suburbs with uh, both parents. Uh, they, my dad was raised Catholic and my mom was raised uh, in more of a charismatic type of church. Um, and when they got married, uh, my mother refused to convert. She is uh, staunchly sort of seated uh, in her religion, but they both were sort of bonded over Christianity. So um, both my brother and I were then raised in a charismatic church, uh, one of the larger ones here in the cities, didn't have a choice, had to go to church every Sunday. Um, and that was okay, I think, with both of us. We never, like, rebelled against that. We were fine with that. Um, and my whole extended family, I would say, is, is very Christian on both sides, very Catholic on my dad's side and uh, very charismatic on my mom's side. So we were both pretty comfortable with that. Uh, so it wasn't really until I went to college that I was put in an environment where for the first time I had to think about why do I actually believe what I believe. Um, and I went to um, 
went to Northwestern and tends to be sort of this very intellectual elite type of culture there. So as you can imagine, all these 18, 19 year olds away from home for the first time are poking holes in your faith and asking you all kinds of questions. Um, what do you think about the Crusades? And what do you, th you know, all these questions that really, for the first time, nobody ever asked me those kinds of things. And I didn't know what the answers were. Um, and it was also the first time, I think, that I came in contact with a lot of people from other religions. So there's a huge Jewish community at Northwestern. I don't think I'd ever really encountered a ton of, of even Jewish people <laughs> while I was here in the Twin Cities. I lived this little, like, isolated life in one of the suburbs here. Um, so that was a really good experience for me to just, like, took a religion class and started learning, like, oh, their God is our God. Like, and suddenly you start putting all these things together that nobody mentioned to you throughout all of your uh, childhood. So that started connecting a lot of dots for me. Um, I still was going to church while I was in college those first couple of years, and then I started to get involved with uh, one of the faith ministries on campus and uh, was really liking it, had made a lot of friends, um, was asked to be part of their leadership board there, um, and then at sort of a halt got this message of like, oh, we need you to come sit down with the, the pastor and have lunch. And so I was like, okay. And so I went and had lunch and they were like, we're really sorry, but you cannot be on this board because you are dating someone who is Jewish. Um, and that was just this moment of, wait, what? <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Um, and that was the moment that I think I turned away from a lot of organized religion, uh, but didn't necessarily turn away from God. So for the three years that came after that, um, still kind of, still had my faith, was still praying, still talking to God, but just wasn't interested in being part of those groups or going to church. I actually did eventually start uh, going to church with a couple of really good Catholic friends of mine and, and uh, really enjoyed that sort of phase of life, which was really fun. Uh, but that was really hard for me. And then uh, when I came back to Minneapolis after college, um, had to go to church with my parents again because I lived at home. And by that point, I just would sit and sort of pick apart little things on Sunday. Like, I agree with that. I no longer agree with this. Um, but while I lived in their house, still went. Um, and then eventually found out through a family friend who was connected to one of our, our founding pastors that, uh, that Danny and Luke and Don were starting this church called Bloom, and you should go and check it out. And um, I loved it. I loved the idea of no judging, no politics, just Jesus. And I, I loved the sense of getting away from the rules and really thinking about what what was the true point of this love story that we see play out in the Bible and suddenly saw this story through a totally different set of eyes that um, really just changed my view. And so that is how I've ended up here and um, have really, really just grown, I think, a ton. Thank you, everyone. Um, so hearing the, the variety in your stories and experiences has led me wondering um, what are the significant events or maybe people who have um, strengthened your experience of your spirituality um, or who have um, been meaningful on your journey through life? Yeah, I've had a number of people. Um, and... It's really, I mean, it's mostly been, been pastors throughout my life, um, which I guess kind of makes sense, but also to me almost seems like a coincidence, um, even though it probably wasn't. Uh, but I had a, a pastor when I was a teenager who um, was really great. Um, and I think the thing that was really great was, because uh, I had a lot of pastors that I looked up to, but I felt like I... Um, you know, really could have, like, a personal relationship with him, and uh, he took a really big interest in, uh, like, what I was going to go to school for, and um, he always really pushed me to, um, you know, like, that this is good, but could you have done better at that? Like, well, you know, what are ways that you're selling yourself short? Like, that, that sort of stuff, and and he was really motivating and really kind of like this, this as I grew up, this this older brother figure to me, and... 
Uh, you know, we, we don't stay in touch as much anymore, but um, we, we connect every now and then, and he, um, I, I certainly wouldn't have gone to school to be a pastor if, if it weren't for this figure in my life. And it wasn't because he told me I should. Um, he spent more time telling me he didn't think I should. <laughs> um, and then I just did anyways. But, um, <laughs> but um, that was really important to me um, in getting me to that point, which uh, I, I don't regret doing. Um, I think I, I learned a lot um, through that experience about what's important to me. Um, you know, I've now ended up in the field of technology, which is wildly different, um, but also not. Uh, and, and I feel like the, the way that I got there um, was like the only way I would have gotten there. And um, yeah, so I, I find that really important. I, I also think that Luke was really important to me um, at a couple times in my life. But most important was... Um, you know, after I had gone through that, that painful breakup, um, I had really, really awful anxiety for about a year. Um, if it wasn't for work or eventually school, um, it, it was almost 12 months where I did not leave home for any reason other than that. And it was because I was always afraid of running into um, my ex. Um, and I've spent about a year in therapy weekly talking through this and eventually realized that the fear was not like of anything that this person would or could do or what would happen. Um, like I would just get so fixated on the idea, but it was, it was more so I had gotten to a point where I felt so like in control, um, or no, so controlled by this person. Um, that the thought of like leaving my home and I might bump into them um, was so, it was just uh, like I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything but think about that. I just couldn't. Um, and so eventually I realized like I, I need to, I need, I need somebody else to know about this. I need a friend that knows about this. And I didn't really have any friends at that point. Um, and so I just, I just messaged Luke and asked if we could get coffee. And that was really hard. I remember um, driving around the block like four times before I would park my car because I was afraid that if I walked into that place, the first thing I would see was like Luke and her talking or something and catching up. And it, it, it was just so irrational all the time, but it just kept me from doing anything I wanted or going anywhere I wanted. Um, and so I talked to him and I, and I told him everything that had happened and I told him what it had done to me and, and how... Um, I, just how difficult it was doing like normal life things um, and Luke has always like he's always sort of um, said these little things that I think uh, uh, I don't know if he realizes were as important to me like I remember one time um, when I was working here as an intern um, there were some um, kids that I went to college with that would like take cookies from the cafeteria and put them under my windshield wiper. And it was like, it was not like a mean thing at all. It was kind of a funny thing, like an inside joke. And he was in my car and I was like, oh, like we were on the freeway and it was like, oh, there's a cookie. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I, t I told him what happened. He's like, do we need to go find them? We can like slash their tires or something. And like, I think he was only half joking when he said that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> But that was like that just resonated with me so much because I felt like, oh my God, like this person <laughs> like cares about my well being and like just like is willing to be angry on my behalf and that um that meant a lot for me when I went through a period where like I didn't know how to be angry on my own behalf and I didn't know how to like call things what they were and um and that really meant a lot. And the fact that he embraced me and invited me back here and try getting me to do things here. And um, I think that that relationship was probably one of the most important for me during that time. Yeah. Can you repeat the question there? Sure. Um, I was asking about um, any people or experiences, um, perhaps, or times in your life that were particularly meaningful or significant for your spiritual journey or your growth, something that that felt um, meaningful in sort of a growing, developing way. Okay, um, I really appreciate 
you're sharing that story, Hogan. I, I feel like, wow, parts of that sound like my story as well. Um, so when I was about uh, 12 years old, I kind of came to the realization that my dad was not a good person in my life. And so I um, had a talk that we're not going to be seeing each other. And that was, that was really hard. It's still kind of strange to talk about it. But I didn't have, um, I think, a father figure in my life or a good role model. Let's just say that, a good role model as far as being a man or growing into it being a man. And I did have a couple people um, later on again, it wasn't anything planned. I, I turned down many, many offers for, you know, family friends would reach out and yeah, there's a father son dinner or whatever. Let's go to it. And no, no, you're not my dad. Um, and just, uh, just kind of happenstance, a couple English teachers, um, both male, one, one in middle school and then, uh, later on in college were just very accepting of some of the ideas that I was exploring and giving me some guidance and um, just super accepting. Um, not too long before I met my my wife, I also had a very painful relationship. Um, and I remember a, a friend of mine, just, just by happenstance, we were just talking and he just said to me, Dave, you're a good person. And I just, I just thought, well, you know, we're sharing a meal together. And he didn't know a lot of this stuff. And just having that suspension of judgment and feeling accepted. And certainly one of the things that brought me to bloom, again, by happenstance, was my wife said, well, here's this church. It's close by. Let's go to it. We had just had our little boy, um, Caleb. He was probably three months old or something like that. And I, I didn't that that really woke me up. My mom had passed away the year before, and then my son was born, and you realize how um, alone you feel when you lose sort of both parents. You know, I was like, "Gosh, I'm 44 and an orphan," and um, here's here's this little boy now, Caleb, and I was there when he was born, and it was one of these big dramatic entrances. So we were not sure um, how he was going to be or my wife, and uh, it was the same hospital my mom had passed away, and so. Being there for that moment, I I knew that there was something much bigger than me. I I can't define it. Don't want to put a label on it. Um, like I said, as as a as a teenager and as a as a kid, gone through all the Roman Catholic stuff, and you know, you do this, 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 everything is going to be fine. And really, life was showing me, no, not everything is fine. And um, so, I just kind of, like I say, I just kind of stumbled into bloom and. Um, I'm just just practicing. That's it. I'm just practicing patience and presence. Um, when I get these little designs of okay, I want to have this, this, this done. Obviously, that doesn't always happen, and then I get frustrated and anger and stuff like that. But instead, just just being in the moment, because that's when I find um, things work best for me. Um, for me, I would say just this community as a whole, and I'll give some specific examples, but I think it's, it's been such a journey through the years of first coming to bloom and, um, kind of just dealing with a lot of, a lot of guilt and a lot of expectation that I think I had put on myself for a really long time. So grew up as that very traditional firstborn rule follower, straight A's, like do everything exactly right. And despite like on the surface, having all of that together, I still think I felt like, but I'm not a good Christian. Like, I'm, I'm not out there witnessing and knocking on people's doors and, like, doing all this extra stuff that I think I was somehow brainwashed into thinking, like, that was normal, that you were just going to go knock on people's doors every day and convert, <laughs> convert X amount of people a day. And there was just so much, like, stuff that I didn't realize I had internalized that I had to get rid of. Um, and I think coming here and hearing the message of grace and just sort of working through all of that and realizing that um, the way that I can share that gift of God's grace with others is going to look totally different potentially than the way that that might look for someone else. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, that I have opportunities every single day um, to do that by just being the hands and feet of Jesus and not working so hard to think about what is it that I'm doing and my performance and just getting through all of that blah uh, was really helpful to be in this community and be surrounded by other people who were going through all of those same things. 
Um, I think that was really helpful. I think um, the Bloom Women's Group in particular, that was something that um, we had done maybe three, four years into the church, and having that environment of just really supportive females and um, really just getting comfortable with yourself, I think, was was really important to me, too. So those are probably big ones. Um, and then the other thing I would say that I've really started to work through the last couple of years has been uh, thinking about how what I do as a career, how that fits into um, who I am as sort of a, a person in Christ. And um, I think I went through a phase for a while where I was like, do I need to be like, should, should I be trying to be a pastor? Should I, you know, like, is that part of it? And, you know, had been up here getting to speak at Bloom, which was such an amazing opportunity. Um, but really, again, sort of this guilt and like, maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing because I enjoy speaking in front of people and went through kind of this whole sort of journey with that and have ultimately kind of come out to a place on the other side to say that like, that could be part of the journey at some point. That may not be part of the journey at all, and that's okay. We don't all have to be pastors. Um, we all have a, a place to play um, right where we are. And so I've been been really thankful to get to do that within this safe environment here and not have that be a big ordeal. And I think that's really cool that people can spend their time here on the stage and that they can go back and, and sit and just participate when they need to participate. I think that's really important that people have those opportunities. Thank you for sharing that, guys. Um, something that, that Shira said I want to kind of talk about as a community. I think it's very interesting. We, a, a lot of times at Bloom, we talk about grace. We use the word grace a lot, and we talk about God's grace and things like that. And I think um, I would just love to hear your guys' perception of that word, and what does that word mean to you, and what because it's something that we talk about all the time at Bloom is God's grace. So I would love to hear, being at Bloom, having been participants at Bloom, it's obviously a topic that's come up more than once. What does God's grace mean to you? You can take a minute to think about that. So I, I think that um, yeah, so I, I, I think I've come to a place where I think of spirituality as a concept, um, really as like as language, um, more than anything else. Because um, I think re regardless of, of language we use, that um, most people have some sort of spirituality in their life. Um, and I, I say that because, um, like, grace is one of those things that um, I, I think the, the, like, language piece of it is, has been really important for me in developing my understanding of it and, and the role that it plays. I, I remember um, being in college and hearing a professor give a sermon in our mandatory chapel on the difference between grace and mercy. And... Um, and at the time, I was like so moved by it. And now I think of it, I'm like, well, those are so wildly different words. Like, they, I don't, I don't get how somebody could get them mixed up. But, um, but there's still a piece of that that comes with me. So, um, I think that grace, in a lot of ways, is is like a really practical thing. Um, uh, I've I've always sort of felt that like spirituality should be very practical. Um, that if we're just sitting around talking about like what we believe or whatever, then I don't know what, what does it matter. Um, and so to me, grace has been like um, I don't know. Let's see how can I contextualize this. So to me, grace is like I've, I've always had friends that if they hear something had gone wrong in your life or whatever, you know, growing up in this conservative Christian background. Um, they'd say, oh, I'm going to be praying for you, and then you wouldn't hear from them, right? Like, that's not grace. Um, uh, and, and I think that, you know, that there's this beautiful thing that the grace of God can work, um, you know, the grace of whatever word you want to use, the divine, the universe, whatever, uh, the world, can, can work in ways separate from how we understand it and how we interact day to day, 
But so many times when you're thinking of like, oh man, I should pray for that situation or I should pray for that person, like maybe you should be the answer to prayer in that situation, right? And I think that where grace comes in is that it's not a passive thing. Um, you know, there have been so many pieces in my life that have, uh, where, where people have stepped in and done things they didn't have to do. Um, and, th and that stuff sticks with me, and it's, it's shaped who I am. And so when I see a situation where, like, oh, I don't have to do anything here, like the grace piece is like, but maybe, maybe I should anyways. Um, and I know for me, like the most impactful things have been the simplest things, like somebody wishing me a happy birthday or something, like especially the last few birthdays, like they've been, they've really not been fun occasions for me. Um, but having somebody like meaningfully take the time to like ask like, oh, so how have you been? Like that means so much. And to me, like that's, that's the grace. Um, that I think brings us together, or should bring us together. It's not some like abstract concept, right? It's you know, so so that that um, sermon that that professor gave. One of you know, the key thing he pointed out as the difference between grace and mercy. That, that honestly, I I still think about is that mercy is this idea that like God has has forgiven us and will continue to forgive forgive us, and grace is the idea that God has then um, empowered us to do the same. And so, you know, I don't know if I'd prescribe to the same language anymore or the same understanding of those words in, in like a religious sense, but I, I definitely still um, resonate with the very practical, practical piece of that, that regardless of what language I have in my life for my own personal spirituality, that, um, that I guess like energy of, of giving more to the world than, than you feel the world gives to you is is ultimately what what makes the world better so um i like that i'm gonna have to think about that <laughs> um for me i think grace has been about sort of i don't know having understanding and empathy for both my own imperfections and those that i see um in others i think so often we we judge ourselves by our intent, but we judge other people by their actions. Um, and so I think a lot of that has been thinking about how that, how I apply that standard to myself and how I apply that standard to other people. And then being able to, kind of what Hogan was alluding to, like be able to go a step further and actually embrace people where they are and embrace yourself where you're at as well. Oh, that is a lot to think about. Um, and I guess when I, hear grace, just the word, the associations I usually get for myself are those moments where somebody does something uh, selflessly, just totally charitable works. Um, and I think it's, again, one of those surprises to me when um, so much of my upbringing was sort of like, uh, take care of your own business, and th that way you'll have some sort of righteousness perhaps with your your faith but for me it's it's those unexpected moments where somebody does something selfless just I don't know why I don't I can't explain it there's no reason behind it that I can see other than perhaps God working through that person um, there doesn't seem to be any ulterior motive just somebody does something really charitable it's like oh yeah that's right there's a much bigger miracle going on that I need to be present for. I need to be a witness to that and hopefully carry that through the rest of my life. Thank you. That was, um, that was really cool to hear the, the ways that you've experienced grace and, um, and think about it these days and how it sort of affects and impacts the way that you want to engage with the world and have experienced the world engaging with you. Um, a question that I have that I think you've maybe touched on a little bit in some of your answers, but this is maybe a more explicit asking of it, um, is are there any particular um, are there any particular struggles or challenges that you have had in your faith journey, either with like a particular concept, um, theologically or spiritually, or um, any particular like um, things that have been like painful in your church experience in the past um, 
Yeah, just things that have been that have been harder to navigate, maybe. Um, and again, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but if there's anything that maybe has been significant for your growth and your spiritual journey that you haven't touched on yet, um, I would love to hear that. Um, so one of the things for me was um, going to Catholic school, Roman Catholic schools and private schools. My mom was, she was a teacher and she really wanted me to have some more structured life. And I think part of that was because the, the family life was so volatile, I guess, with between her and my, my dad. And uh, so when I was about, it must have been about 16 or whatever, we went on a retreat. It was this thing of, you know, are you being called to the faith? Are you going to, you know, maybe be a, a religious person as far as, you know, maybe pursuing priesthood or something like that. And at that time, I thought, well, this is pretty good because I can just sort of turn on or turn off my mind and just, you know, kind of go through the motions and not have to do a lot of thinking and still feel like I'm saved or something like that. And for, you know, two months, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll try this. And um, it just seemed so easy to feel like I didn't have to do a lot of thinking about it and just accept and accept and, you know, here's somebody sort of giving you the answers to this. And again, it was that thing that I, I started talking about. The more I put into this, the less I was getting out of it. And um, I just didn't see at a certain point that, that this was really healthy. Uh, it's like if I'm doing everything right, why am I so miserable? <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's a question that's probably pretty immature, something that a 16-year-old would ask anyways. But I think, again, just being open to these, these, these experiences in the world instead of, you know, being so, no, that's not for me, or judging or um, stepping back from so much of the cultural things that were going on, not just with my immediate family, but just being born in, you know, middle class, um, Highland Park, just that sort of community of if you do this, then you'll get this. And it's, it, I just don't see that that's always the case. Um, life is too surprising and too full of just strange happens, happenstance coincidences. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it was a couple of weeks ago somebody asked about in prayer circles, well, what, what are you looking for? Nothing. I'm, I'm just, happy to be here. I'm just looking for patience and presence that I don't have any anything beyond that as far as what do I want in life or what I just want to be here. That's it. So. Um, I would say uh, the biggest thing for me that I've really been learning a lot about myself in the last um, in the last year or two um, that has been a challenge in my personal spirituality has been uh, really like my, my inner dialogue more than anything. Um, I, I look at different points in my life where I felt very low, um, and that, that really has been the, the, the common theme. I know we haven't really dived into like the Enneagram at Bloom like every other post-evangelical <laughs> community has, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah I, I i learned a lot through that um uh about what <laughs> i learned a lot but i did i learned a lot uh, i'm a one a, a one one wing nine so yeah i thought so I, there was one week in the summer when we were all talking about something i forget what it was and i was like that they're a one they're a one they're a one they're a one. <laughs> like but anyway so what that is, so for me the biggest piece that that resonates with me is being critical of myself and um i realized that even when i went through this really traumatic experience in the last few years um that a lot of what really fueled that for me was this inability to develop like self-confidence because there was this this like feedback in my head of like I would remember something that I did, and I would forget about something somebody had done to me, you know. And I would remember like why did I do that? That's so stupid. Why did I do that? And I would just get into this like this vortex of uh, of like self hatred, and it was um, paralyzing. 
Um, and a lot of that was brought on from the, the trauma that I had gone through, but a lot of that I, I had to learn was really like innate, was, was just part of how my head worked. Um, and, and so I, I think the way that played into my spirituality was, um, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of changes in terms of the communities I've been a part of and, and the beliefs I've had. And, and it's really easy for me to look back at times in my life when I took very different stances on things or even times when I, I remember, like, um, saying things that I would consider really um, harmful now. Like, I, I, I don't know, just, like, being a, a part of this very... Um, conservative, evangelical, you know, whatever. And uh, it's very easy for me to, like, either get trapped in this idea of, like, oh, you're just a hypocrite, like, like you're no better, whatever. Um, or worse than that, just start feeling really ashamed for whatever, where I came from, and forget that, like, that's how progress works. Um, that's how growth works. You don't, you don't start perfect. Um, and and so I think a, a lot of the last couple of years for me has been learning to um, really embrace that dialogue. And you know now I, I live alone, and so like I literally just talk to myself sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and it's been really great. It's like it literally does sometimes feel like having a conversation with myself. Um, but it, it always feels like a conversation I needed to have, you know. Uh, <laughs> But it, it's been really good, just being able to like audibly articulate to myself, like, no, that's that's not a problem. Um, like, yeah, you did that, whatever. Like, move on, you'll be all right. Um, and and just sort of have those hard conversations. Um, and and a lot of that has come from like being able to look at um, people who have really inspired me or have really um, helped in my personal development, and like thinking about how do they talk to me. Um, like, okay, then I I want to talk to me that way. And that's been the biggest thing for me and has really led to me embracing more actively um, a lot of personal spiritual things, like not just thinking about them or studying the Bible or knowing a lot about it, which is, which is fun for me, but actually embracing, um, embracing it in my own life. I would say one thing that I think I continue to struggle with a little bit is the the sense of identity, like as a Christian. And I, I feel it on two sides. So having family that's uber Christian, it's like I'm I consider myself a follower of Jesus. You consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but like we have vastly different beliefs. Like when I go into your church, like I might not be comfortable raising my hands during worship. Does that mean I'm less of a Christian than you? Or like, when I go to your church and your pastor is talking about hell, like, his beliefs about hell might be totally different than what I now believe um, or would say that I don't even really know what's going to happen um, post. So I think I, I struggle with it on that end, and then I certainly have always probably struggled with it on the other end of when you say that word Christian, it just comes with all this baggage and people start to make all these assumptions about you. And so I, I still think I struggle with that quite a bit with, with coworkers and with, with other friends who... Um, either, actually, I would say even more so with those who grew up in some sort of Christian um, upbringing and had some sort of terrible experience. And so I don't think I've quite figured out yet how to, um, how to navigate that, how to label, which I don't even know if I need a label, but I think it would make me feel more, I'm a very categorical person. I think it would make me more comfortable if I had a label for it, but figuring out where are those places where you can have that conversation openly about what you think and what they think and have it truly just be kind of what we have here where it's, it's truly a, a dialogue and it doesn't have to be this like fiercely intense attack on someone else's values versus where are the places where it's like, you know what, let's just leave it at the surface and let's not have that conversation. So that, I, I don't know if anyone has been able to come to terms with that. I would love to hear it because that I think is, is an ongoing struggle. The, the last question I have is, I'm really debating about what to ask. I know. Um, so I have, I have two really hard questions that you actually just touched on a little bit right now that I want you guys to, you can answer one or the other. So you can choose which thing you want to talk about. But um, 
I think for a vast majority of the Christian faith, um, a huge thing that is the focus or a big motivator is our beliefs about what happens when we die. So I would be, I would love to hear what your current thoughts are on the afterlife or what you're like, what happens, like where you're at with that. And or <laughs> I would love to hear how you define your faith to people who are not a part of this community, because that's something I struggle with because uh, it inevitably comes up in some form or another. And I think it's incredibly difficult to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but not like the Christian you're thinking of or you I mean like so I, I would love to hear either about your thoughts about what happens when we die or how you're defining your faith to people who are not a part of this community so I just kind of touched on B so I'll take a <laughs> uh, the hell question um, I didn't say hell I just, <laughs> I'm just gonna fair <laughs> fair so having grown up in a very Christian environment the hell question though how can a loving God send people to hell um, question was really hard for me for a long time. And when I went to college, that was one of the big questions that would get thrown in your face. Like, do you understand that that doesn't make sense? Like, just all of it. Um, I think I've come to a place of truly being comfortable with, like, I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> when I leave this earth. Like, I really don't know what that looks like. But I will say that as I've wrestled with that, I think um, things that have been really important to me uh, has been a lot of like reading and just concepts and other people's ideas. So books like C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, books like Rob Bell, Love Wins, just being able to get some different perspectives on what it could be. And I think for me, I don't know that I truly would like put myself firmly in one of those camps, but I think the exercise of understanding how many things and how many different ways it could be has made me more comfortable with the idea of, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Um, and I don't know that the Bible really defines that super, super clearly, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I think I've come to ease with that um, and have lost a lot of the fear that I think I didn't realize that I had as a child of what happens later. Like, there's just a lot of decisions I think I, I made in doing all that, like, supposedly noble rule following that was really based on this fear of, like, because I don't want to do something wrong and go to hell. And it's, it's been a good good learning process of the reason I don't do some of those things now is not because I can't or because there's going to be eternal punishment for it, but because those things don't benefit me or benefit my life. Um, so I think I'll talk about the second one, um, which was like, yes. Um, and that one's been interesting for me because... Uh, I, I really haven't been sure of what my faith is. Uh, I still I still don't really consider myself a Christian in the sense of being tied to the Christian tradition strongly. Um, and honestly, I, I kind of go back and forth on 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 like the whole Jesus aspect of it too sometimes. But uh, the one thing that I've I've picked up a lot uh, in applying to 150 plus jobs in the last couple of years. Um, is that putting that I used to work at a church uh, on my resume, <laughs> you know, starts a lot of conversations. Um, you know, it's on, my, it's on my LinkedIn. All my coworkers know about it. Um, and, and what I've learned is that I've always sort of thought of that question in a sense that, like, like I, should, I should have a good answer to this question. Like, I should have a good way of explaining my personal faith and my personal spirituality because the people who would ask me are really good at answering that question for themselves. And like, nobody's good at answering that question. Like, the, the people that you, in your mind, or I guess me in my mind, that I have thought like, oh, they really understand what they believe, like they're, you know, they've been very anti-religion, very like publicly atheist, the whole time I've known them, whatever, et cetera, or on the flip side, very religious, very um, bought into American Christianity. So, like, the second you ask that question, like, now you have this really complicated discussion about, like, well, I grew up in, the, you know, and, and, like, I didn't really hate this part of it, but, and, and it turns into a whole thing. So, for me, like, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know if I'd use a term or if I'd really like a term, because I feel like the second I, I know, like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's me, like, then it won't be anymore, right? Um, 
and so I, I think the biggest thing for me in trying to define my own personal spirituality through either conversations with coworkers or with people I've met or, or friends or whatever has been realizing that like I'm not I'm I'm not the only one in this conversation who's kind of on the fence about things, um, and whoever I'm talking with, neither of us are probably going to like change our minds about that anytime soon. And I think that that's really interesting. So that's been, that's sort of been how I've gone through that when it's come up. Thank you. Um, a little tipsy here. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> start the tailgating early, right? Um, I'm not gonna uh, touch that first one because I, I, I mean, it's just too much of a mystery. I, you know, I think there's enough there and art and what you were talking about, different ways to approach this or different ideas about it. I think they're all interesting. Um, so this, I, this thing that Hogan was talking about, I think it, if I've got it right, if you do sort of identify or define yourself with that and then it changes once you've labeled it, kind of, I think that's so much true in my own life in, in different ways. I've, my wife's dad is an incredible guy. He's one of the most giving guys I know, but he's not a believer. And it's always kind of funny to me at family events how he's always trying to capture something with the camcorder. He's always trying to capture this moment. And instead, he's kind of missing the event itself because he's just looking at this frame. And I kind of think the same way with our words. If we identify as, if excuse me, if I identify as something like that, I'm sort of shutting myself off to this larger perspective. Um, so I'm trying to take it in, um, this thing of, of being in the moment. Um, it's kind of like that thing, I go to a party and somebody says, oh, you're a teacher, what do you teach? They're going to want me to say English, but really I'm trying to model something bigger than just this is the actual category. I'm trying to teach caring. I'm trying to teach pride. I'm trying to teach, you know, wanting wanting to serve more or better. At least that's what I'd hope, you know, that I'm I'm somehow demonstrating that. Um, you know, and there's obviously been times that I'm really pleased with myself, like, wow, I surprised myself. You know, I just I did something really great here. And there's a number of times where it's like, yeah, that definitely did not live up to what I, I would want my son to see. Well done. You handled those questions well. <laughs> um, we, we have um, one final question, um, and this is another one that you've all touched on to some extent um, in your answers already, um, but it's a two-part question. Part one is, is there anything else about the Bloom community um, that has been meaningful to you or that has been part of the reason that you've stuck around that you haven't shared yet? Um, and part two is, what do you think that we as a community can do to strengthen, um, to strengthen our community and also to strengthen our presence in the broader community? <laughs> okay, so the first one was, um, what, what brought us? Uh, what, what is it about Bloom that keeps you sticking around that you appreciate, that you haven't shared already? The things that I like the most about Bloom are, uh, I like the slogan that no judging no politics just jesus i like that a lot i like the storytelling um it hit me last week when you were talking about the uh, good samaritan story it hit me again in a different way and i'd heard that story so many di different times but just hearing it in a different way so i do like the fact that um there's emphasis on stories just as an as somebody who's a human being, that's what we do is we tell stories and we share stories. I like that a lot. Um, what was the second? The second part was what do you think we can do to strengthen our community? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I see that Bloom is kind of this really flexible thing and I think it's great the way it is. I don't, I don't know what, I'm still pretty new here, so I don't know what our, what our weaknesses are, I guess. Um, I do feel uh, this sense of welcoming. Like I say, uh, Keenan doesn't really know me. I don't think it has if I'd be on the panel. Sure, I don't know. I, yeah, I, um, 
I think it's a very welcoming community. I've talked to a few friends about it and just said, you might like it. It's not, it's not this thing of a very rigid hierarchy. It's not a thing of a rigid belief system, uh, you know, the Apostles' Creed or anything like that. It, it's just, I like its, its warmth. One thing that I've always really appreciated about Bloom is that um, we do a lot of things that are not um, maybe spiritual or religious in language, but are in in practice. Like if we have like a potluck or something one Sunday, it's not like a fellowship gathering. Or if we go out to lunch, it's not a prayer lunch or whatever. But at the but like as a result, I always feel like not putting that language on something almost makes it more of that. Like. It makes it more of a spiritually significant thing to me. Um, the fact that we can have a book club and the books are usually or always have some spiritual um, significance to them, but that it's it's just a thing. Like it's just people who are interested in talking about a book and reading, and I really didn't care what we read so much as like, yeah, I like reading and I like talking about books, um, like that sort of thing. Um, it's it's always something that I've really appreciated. Um, because I, you know, I've always sort of had this thought that churches, like in language, are are trying to express this idea of like spirituality is not part of life, like it is life, and you should carry your faith with you throughout your entire life. But then in practice, are the opposite. Like, all right, so because of that, you should come here four days a week, and when you're here, this is what we do, this is what we talk about. Like, don't bring up anything you're struggling with unless you also bring up that you've been really praying about it and going to God with it. Like, you know, and then it becomes this very like inward focused thing. And so I, I, I don't know, I always feel like Bloom is the kind of church that, as a fairly introverted and private person, like I, I'm excited to talk about with people. Um, really for no particular reason at all, just, <laughs> just because. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, the latter part of that? What can we do to strengthen the community? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how I can... Yeah, I've I've always been pretty happy with with how um, I don't know. Like um, I I feel like it can be really easy to get wrapped up in the whole um, uh, you know growing and improving and and like how can we be better at this welcoming thing? But at the same time, there's this piece of bloom that's like um, like I think it it serves people that come here by nature of what it is and and also like that it's not trying to be this other thing like we're not we're not trying to have like a whole system of integration for people walking in and like these are the seven steps that a, a visitor would go through like i i don't know i've been part of that <laughs> like i've been part of crafting those seven steps before and figuring out the volunteers and what the name of the volunteer position is like i've had classes on that and i like that we don't do that uh, maybe it's just because I'm like really intimidated by the idea of like your job this Sunday is to go talk to three people about this topic and and get them to sign this form. Like I hate that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've yeah, that's all. <laughs> um, I've talked at length about how much I love Bloom, so I will skip to the the second question of strengthening the community. Um, and I I think one thing that we can do is to, I don't know how to say this, embrace opportunity, I guess, the idea that because we don't have a formal structure here, like if you see something or there's something that you're passionate about that you want to pursue, like either start going after it or be like, come talk to one of the elders, come talk to Aaron or Keenan. Um, it, it's just not the place where you, you have to say like, oh, that's not my job. I'm not, I'm not a leader here. or I'm not a pastor here. Like if you have something that you see, if there's a service opportunity that you want to do or a, a group that you want to start or a like, I don't know, informal lunch that you want to host after, like, I don't know what it is, but this is such a safe place to be able to try one of those things. And, um, don't be afraid to bring that forward. I think that's one thing that as an elder for years and years, I've 
always wondered how can we do a better job of bringing all of the, the brain power and all of the passion that everyone has together. Um, and that's something I would love to see more of. So no pressure, truly. But if there's, there's something on your heart or just that pops into your brain, I, I would love to hear what it is because you never know who might have the same idea. I'm going to, thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, it's really good to hear stories because I think that they enforce what, um, what we know about ourselves and what we know about each other. And they enforce, um, they enforce the flexible spirituality that we practice here at Bloom. Like I think it gives, I think the fact that we have a multitude of voices and not one voice saying everyone believe this. We have multiple people saying this has been my experience. And I think that gives us a, uh, like Lindsay was talking about last week, it gives us more color, more, uh, there's a lot more vibrancy to the story and a lot more depth to the picture when everyone contributes something. Um, so I appreciate you guys for getting up here and sharing your story because you could have said no and you could have been really uncomfortable with it. And you might have been really uncomfortable with it, but you did it anyways. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so I'm going to close out in prayer and then we'll, we'll go on to announcements. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for, for bringing us all together today. Um, I ask that you would uh, help us to commit to memory um, all the ways that you are, are present in our lives and the lives of those around us, that you, would, that you would help us to see you in our own stories and the stories of our friends and in the stories of our enemies. Um, I ask that you would continue to bless us and help us to see just how blessed uh, we are to be alive on this little blue planet. <laughs> in your name, amen.